listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. Turn to Ezra, and uh, you should have your Bible somewhere on your phone in your back pocket. I brought a print version today. I do. It's heavy. It's really awesome. Okay, so I'm going to turn to Ezra, and so are you. We're going to continue our series on rebuilding today. How many are excited about that? All right. So I started this two weeks ago, and then we had Ron and, Ron and Judy come and share last week. Uh, they are missionaries to Hollywood. If you haven't noticed a trend, we believe in sharing the good news around the world, whether it's here or on the streets in Dallas or in Mexico or in Spain or in Hollywood. That's our job is to share God's goodness, his love with this world because this message is so needed right now. Amen? Amen. All right. So if you haven't found Ezra yet, you can find Psalms and then go back to Job and then go back to Esther and Nehemiah and then you come to Ezra. And we're going to go to chapter 4 where it says adversaries oppose the rebuilding. That's the heading in my Bible. So let's... uh, pray before we get into the word this morning. Father, we just thank you for your peace right now. We thank you that as we sang, you do everything right. You do. And your throne is set up eternally. And Lord, we thank you that we are secure because we are with you in that place by faith. And even though there is opposition here on earth, even though things happen on this planet where there is destruction and despair. Lord, around your throne there is peace and there's joy and there's fulfillment and we want to get to that place. Lord, help us now as we gather around your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us, Lord, in so many ways, but also through your Bible. And so, Lord, as we study this story, let us apply it to our lives that we would rebuild our lives according to your plan and according to your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, this is the part of the service. We have given our praise. We have worshiped God. We have spoken out about who he is. And now we focus on the word. We see what he says. I heard some people recently talking about how many books they'd read this year. And I was thinking, man, I haven't read that many books. And then I was reminded, I've read about 64 of the 66 books in the Bible this year. That's important that we read through the Bible. And it's important that you understand what you're reading. And so as we review where we were a couple weeks ago, I did find a couple graphics that show a timeline of biblical events. Now, some of us are real nerds about this. We love history. We love knowing all the little details. And some of you could care less. But I'm going to tell you it's important that you do know this stuff. It's important that you know the word. Because God went to all the time and trouble to speak through many, many, many different authors over a very long period of time to get us his word. 
And we need to honor the word. And one way we honor the word is to know the word. So Bible timeline, which I borrowed from Watermark Church. Thank you, Watermark. You can see from the creation of the world, then we have the patriarchs. That's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then we have Exodus with Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. Conquest, that's Joshua. Judges, that's Samson, etc., etc. And then we go to Samuel. And then we get to the kingdom, which is Saul and then David. And then we go through all the kings and also chronicles. And then the exile. The people are sent away to Babylon for 70 years for not obeying what God spoke to them back there where it says Exodus. And we talked about this last time. I'm not really going to go into it in that much detail. There's many, many resources out there. Most of you have Bibles that have timelines in them. And I encourage you to get to know this material. All right? So we have the exile. They were gone for 70 years. And then they returned to their homeland. And they had to rebuild Jerusalem. Most importantly, they had to rebuild the temple, which was the focus of worship in that day. Then we have 400 years of silence, and then Jesus came. John the Baptist was his forerunner. Jesus came, he taught, that's what the Gospels are, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then in the book of Acts, we have the church being birthed on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming. And then we have the church sent out. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's one thing we heard about through Adon, that we're going into all the world. And then we have the future, and uh, we're right at, see this timeline? See where the beginning is? Where are we right now? We are right, right, right out here, guys. And honestly, I don't know how much time is left. I don't. In our lives, we don't know how much time is left. So it's important that we focus on God's word, we focus on his plan, and we listen to what he's saying in this age right now. Now, it was interesting, I find it interesting, I hope you do, I hope this whets your appetite a little bit, that this book was written during the second empire in a vision that Nebuchadnezzar had while Daniel, who was living in Babylon and serving in a hostile government, a foreign government. Daniel is a Jewish young man who is deported to Babylon, and he ends up rising in the favor of the Lord and serving in the very seat of government. And his king, Nebuchadnezzar, has a dream, and he wants the dream interpreted. Only problem is he wants the interpreter to explain even what happened in the dream. It's like Chris coming to me and saying, I had this nightmare last night, and I want to know what it means. Well, what did you dream? You need to tell me. Okay, so Daniel tells the king the dream, and in the next diagram, you'll see what the dream was. And these are the empires of the world that Daniel interprets, okay? So he sees this statue, this form, and there's a head of gold. And Daniel explains to Nebuchadnezzar that this represents the Babylonian empire. It is the greatest. It is amazing, and you are amazing. However, judgment's coming, and the people of Media and Persia, present-day Iran and the lands above that geographically, they are going to conquer. And then after that, there's going to be another empire. So the 
Gold is representing the Babylonians, gold being the highest value, then silver representing the Medes and the Persians. They're, they're powerful, they're amazing, not quite as amazing as Babylon. And then we have Greece, who is represented by bronze. That empire under Alexander the Great conquered the entire world. It happened very swiftly and violently. And then after that, you have the Roman Empire. And then down at the bottom, you have the feet. And it, it says that empire was part iron. The Romans are represented by iron, very strong, got the job done, very powerful. And at the bottom, you have the feet, which is iron mixed with clay. You have some strong parts, some weak parts, and they're kind of modeled together. There's been a lot of speculation about what this really is. I believe it's coming. I believe it's probably already here. All right. Uh, my opinion is my opinion. But what's really, really important about this whole statue of world history, number one, God knows what's going on in the world. God foretold what would happen in the world. And he's going to use empires to bring about his will and his purpose, whether they're aware of it or not. Now, what happens at the end of the vision? This stone, giant, huge, asteroid-like thing that's not made by anyone, comes and smashes it at the feet at the end of time. And a new empire comes, which is from God. And that empire is eternal. Now, we here today are here because we believe in an eternal empire that will one day take over the earth. And that is through God himself and through his son, Jesus Christ. And we don't all know how that's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. But we know that through the Bible, the word of God, we're going to be on the winning side when it does happen. So we've got to position ourselves and align ourselves with the vision that God has for us. And each of us has a part to play. So let's get into Ezra chapter 4. All right, we've been talking about rebuilding. And Ezra is rebuilding the temple, the place of worship, the focus of worship for the Jewish people. Now, how does that apply to me? So there was a guy named Ezra. He was somewhere back in world history. Yes, and there's the text right there. So <laughs> that's great. So how does that apply to us? Well, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, all of us are rebuilding something. As I mentioned in the, in the little video we saw before church started that Landon and Chris and myself put together, we're all rebuilding at some level, all of us. So what are you rebuilding right now? Some of us are rebuilding our reputation. Maybe your reputation got destroyed. Some of us are rebuilding our integrity through decisions we made or through decisions other people made. We have to rebuild that integrity. Some of us are rebuilding trust. We're trying to rebuild the trust that other people have for us, maybe. We're trying to rebuild our trust for people or for God. Some of us are rebuilding our careers. Some of us are rebuilding our very lives. Stuff happens. Some of us are rebuilding marriages, or we're rebuilding after a marriage. Some of us are rebuilding our families. 
We rebuild after natural disasters, weather patterns, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes. We're rebuilding our spiritual life. We rebuild our faith sometimes when our faith gets shattered because sometimes things happen that really cause us to question. And that's okay. We need to question. But we need to focus those questions on God. It's all right. God is up to answering the questions you have in your heart. Sometimes we're rebuilding after a mental, emotional breakdown that can occur. In Ezra, God is rebuilding a nation. He's rebuilding a people. He's rebuilding a promise. And he's preparing for the Messiah to come. But in chapter 4, we find out that this rebuilding just doesn't happen automatically, that there is resistance to the rebuilding. It says in chapter 4, verse 1, Now when the adversaries, adversaries are those who are opposed, those who are against, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Ezerhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the father's houses in Israel said to them, you have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord. So there's resistance. It says the enemies, the enemies of God will always oppose God's rebuilding in your life. Always. And the enemies of God have tactics. The main enemy, the opposer, we see in the Bible, one name is Satan. He's got many names. The adversary. He has several tactics that he uses. And we see those here in this chapter. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And it's important to know these things because when they happen, and they will happen, they will happen if you purpose in your heart to rebuild, you will have resistance. So what are these strategies the enemy uses? Number one, distraction. Distraction. We just read about the distraction in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now, it's important that we see that it says the adversaries said, let us build with you. Do you think the adversaries really wanted to build? I think they wanted to infiltrate and destroy from the inside. It says in the New Testament, in the last days, there will be those who come in, even into your churches, and try to deceive from the inside. It's important for us to recognize that not everyone is for us even when they act like they're for us. Let's rebuild with you. We serve God. 
we've been serving God. Well, that was their first tip, because these guys were planted by an enemy back in the land, and they had never really worshipped God. Not every alliance that is proposed to you in life is from God. God at this time was trying to purify his people. The enemy is always trying to distract and compromise us. If he can't get us to out and out deny our faith, he brings those in that try to water down what he's doing. Those who will question. The attack on the temple here was very subtle. And we have to realize not everything, you know, the enemy doesn't always show up with a big sign or a t-shirt that says, I'm here to destroy you. Wouldn't that be nice? So we've got to have something. There is something in the New Testament called a gift of discernment where we know that, that something's not quite right here. I hear what's coming out of your mouth, but I also hear what's coming out of your heart. And so we need discernment. We need those around us who will say, hey, I, I need you to pray about this because I'm not quite so sure. I'm not talking completely about being just cynical about everyone who walks into our life, because many times we don't know. We do not know. Sometimes it's revealed over time. But we've got to stay in tune with what God is saying, and that is why it is so important to know the word of God, so that we can have discernment, so that we can say no to distraction. Wait a minute. God said to build. This is how he said to build. And this is who he said would build. And so they passed that test. The attack here was against the worship, the purity of the worship of God. Ever since Cain and Abel, the enemy has tried to compromise worship all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Jesus said that we are worshipers in spirit and truth. And so there's so many questions now. How do we worship? What do we worship? What style do we do? You know what? It's in your heart. Here we have certain styles of worship. We believe in lifting our hands and singing and speaking and prophesying. There's many other ways to worship. We need to worship in spirit and in truth. The truth of the word of God and the spirit of God coming together. All right. Uh, number two, what's another tactic of the enemy? Discouragement. Discouragement. Discouragement in Hebrew here literally means to weaken your hands. You've been at it for a long time and you just get tired. Anybody here get tired? Yes, you're human. You admit it. All right. So, discouragement. Chapter 4, verse 4, the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. That's going to happen. We're going to have days when we get discouraged. That's why we need to be in fellowship. That's why we need to be connected to encourage one another. We need more encouragers. And we need to become those encouragers from other people. It's so easy to nitpick. How about saying something positive. All right. We need encouragement, and we need to stand against discouragement. Number three, what else did it say? It says, 
that the people of the land came in to discourage the people of Judah, make them afraid to build, and they bribed the counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. Wow, these guys really didn't want this done. They came in to try to frustrate. And we all get frustrated at times. Now, the D word I chose for perfect alliteration here was disintegration, because frustration is kind of disintegration. We, we lose our clarity when we get frustrated. Frustration, I learned in a counseling course one time, is really a form of anger. It's anger that we don't really call anger. I'm just so frustrated. Well, you're basically saying, this is making me angry. And as we're rebuilding, there's a lot of things that can make us angry, aren't there? That's one reason I go to Celebrate Recovery, so I have the right response to stop, because we have a choice. But when we're so programmed, and men especially, men, we know one main emotion, and that is anger. So we have to learn how to submit that to God. We need to learn how to trust him that he's working everything out for good, that I don't have to be angry. I can be at peace because God promises me peace when I bring my needs to him. We don't need to stay in frustration when we have faith. Faith is the antidote for frustration. And number four, how did the enemy try to attack the work of God. And this is one of the main ones here. It goes from chapter 4 to chapter 5 to chapter 6. We're not going to read all that. I encourage you to read it because there's a lot of good things in there. Defamation. What is defamation? Well, it's when you discredit someone's character. Accusation. Another name for the enemy is the accuser. He is accusing you and I, even before God. Read the book of Job. The enemy is there saying, Job, you think he's all that. You've made his life perfect. If he didn't have his wonderful lifestyle, he would eventually curse you. And so we see this interesting view into the courts of heaven, and I, I don't understand all of that, how it works. But I know the enemy is the accuser. And we need to be on the other side of that, folks. I'm not saying don't call something wrong that's wrong. But we certainly need to also declare what's right when we see it and be encouragers rather than accusers. So accusers accuse. We all know accusers in our life, right? Haters are going to hate. These are basically haters. Liars are going to lie. What else do we know about the enemy? Jesus said he's the father of lies. Lies are being spoken about us all the time. Why are we so surprised when it happens to us? <laughs> I can hear about this person, that person, this politician. Oh, man, we've had such... Such accusations going on in these political campaigns, even down here at our very local level. I thought if all these things are true that the other side is saying about the other side, get rid of them all. 
You know, they take one little thing and blow it out of proportion. And that's what the enemy does to us. He takes one little thing. Oh, well, that's, mm, Blows it out of proportion. So our goal in life as we rebuild is to try to eliminate those things that the enemy can even have to accuse us, guys. Don't give him any material. Make right choices. Obey the word of God. Do the best you can. You're not going to be perfect ever. Believe me, I've tried it. I've tried perfection. Doesn't happen. It's a lie. No one's perfect but God. But I can press on in my life to try to correct those things and improve my character and live a life that if someone says, well, what about him? When I worked for the airlines, oh, my goodness, they knew I was a believer, and they were watching me every second. And I determined with God's grace and with his help and with his mercy that I would do nothing that would give them an occasion to discredit God's word because all of us represent him, basically. Now, guys, before you... I can never do that. No, you can't. But Jesus is my righteousness. I receive that. It is a gift. Doesn't mean I don't try. Accusations come. Why are we surprised when they come to us? What are they? They're half-truths. They're twisted truths. And the biggest of all, dredging up the past. Enemy loves to dredge up our past. Because we've all made mistakes. Everyone here, I've made plenty. It just happens in life. Again, none of us are perfect, even though we try. We're going to make mistakes. And so in four, chapter 4, verse 13, they write a letter to try to stop the work, to try to stop the work on the temple. And this is what they tell the emperor. Be it known to the king that if this city is rebuilt and the walls are finished, they will not pay tribute, they will not pay taxes, they will not pay customs or tolls. The royal revenue will be impaired. Oh man, you're gonna, you won't get everything that's coming to you if you let these people rebuild. Now, because we eat the salt of the palace and it is not fitting for us to witness the king's dishonor, therefore we send and inform the king in order that a search be, may be made in the records of your fathers. You will find in the book of the records and learn that this city is a rebellious city, hurtful to kings and provinces, and that sedition was stirred up in it from of old. That is why this city was laid waste. We make known to the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls finished, then you will have no possession in the province beyond the river. Accusations. If you let them build... They have a history of uprising, and it's going to be a mess. Now, was this true? Yes, it was true. The enemy's going to try to bring up our past to accuse us. How do we respond? 
This is how I respond. That may be who I was, but that's not me now. You will not use my past to accuse me because Jesus on the cross canceled out who I was. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I am a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're not just a better version of yourself. When you come to God and you're born again and you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you're something brand new that never existed before. You aren't just the caterpillar that turned into a butterfly. You're a whole new thing. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, it's well enough that the enemy does this to us to bring up our past, but we do it to ourselves, don't we? We come under condemnation, we come under guilt. We need to leave all that stuff behind. Yes, that was who I was, but that's not me now. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am more than a conqueror, Romans 8.31. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, 1 John 4.4. 4. God declares that over each one of us, and we need to declare it over ourselves each and every day until you believe it in your heart. Because it's God's work in you. It's not you trying to be a better person. Amen? All right. The enemy can only have the advantage if we come into agreement with him. So you say, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. God will give you a plan and a strategy to leave your past so firmly far in the rearview mirror that you will be unstoppable. I'm saying it today. I'm saying it today. The past is in the past. You have a future. God has given you a new name. We overcome by the declaration of God. And God had declared to his people in Ezra, you will rebuild. You will rebuild. And God declares over each one of us, you will rebuild. It will happen. I don't care who comes against you because God's plan and purpose is sure, but you have to come into agreement with what he is saying. So his declaration is the grace and the almighty power and the supernatural Spirit of God operating in us and around us to accomplish God's will and purpose. But it takes our determination to perform his will. Our coming into agreement with that will. Our saying, no, I will not go back to my old ways. We used to sing a campfire song when I was a kid. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, that's his declaration over us, and the word of our testimony, Roman, uh, sorry, Revelation 12, 1. 
God said he would rebuild and he would restore. And my trust is in him and his word and in his faithfulness to perform. How do we do battle? When the enemies come, when the accusations come, when the frustrations come, when the discouragement comes, same way Jesus did, it is written. This is what God's word is. God's word is a sword. It's alive. It's powerful. And when it's on your lips, it has power to accomplish everything God says that will be accomplished. This is how Jesus combated the lies and the twisting of truth that the enemy brought him at his temptation. So we need the truth. The truth sets us free. What is the truth? Can there be truth right now? Truth in our culture has become relative to what the majority believes. But I'm here to say today that the truth is what God declares over us. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is a person, and that person is Jesus. And he invites us to get to know him. Isn't that a miracle right there? That we can know the truth? And we're set free by that relationship that we have. So the determination that we must have is that we will keep building no matter what. It says in chapter 5, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied that the Jews who were in Judea and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. The prophets were speaking the truth. The prophets were speaking encouragement. That's one reason we come to church is so that we could hear what's said prophetically. We hear it as we worship. We sang truth today. We declared truth over our lives in unison with some pretty awesome accompaniment. We're joining in with the heavens and the chorus of angels that are singing truth. Worthy is the Lamb. We're joining in with saints in history. One day we'll be there in person. I think about that when I'm worshiping. That one day forever and ever and ever and ever I'm going to be worshiping God and it's never going to get old. We're not going to have our smart watches to look at and say, when can we have dinner? <laughs> because our food will be the manna of heaven which is fresh constantly. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That keeps us going. So the prophet spoke the truth. The people got a hold of the word. Because you can have the word going out in prophecy. You can have it spoken over you. But unless you grab that thing and say, I'm going to make that mine, nothing is going to happen. So it says that they rebuilt in Zechariah 4.9. This word came from the throne of God. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple and his hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The word was keep building because you may think, I'm never going to see the end of this. I'm never going to improve. I'm never going to be a success. I'm never going to make it. We're never going to get this building done over here. But God says you will rebuild. You will not just rebuild, but you will prosper. And you will be a refuge. And you will be a place of safety. And you will be a light. To bring others in out of the confusion and devastation that are in this world. The same hands who began it 
will complete it. So it actually came out better than they could have ever imagined because the people were determined to not be deterred. Are we determined today in our pursuit of rebuilding our lives? Few of us went out on a little camping trip this past weekend. The weather was glorious. Thank you, Lord. And one of the activities we had planned was to go on a 2.2-mile hike around the lake. I've done this hike before. I knew that there was up and there was down and there was scrambling and there were obstacles. I knew it would be hard. Now, last time I did this hike, I did not have a knee that was constantly in pain. And then a few weeks ago, I started getting foot pain Plantar fasciitis, there's nothing you can do about it except wait for it to go away and pray every morning that you can move. So in the morning when I get up, I've got to hold on to something to get my balance and get going. And when I did this hike, I knew it was going to hurt. I knew that it was not going to be that easy. But you know why I was determined to do this? Because I'd done it before, I knew I could do it, and I love hiking. And we had a group of people that I love and care about, and one of the passions of my life is to take those things that I love and allow other people to experience them. That's why I love being a pastor, because I have a history with God, and I want you to know that same God who is faithful in every circumstance. And so, here's a group of people. Come on, this is great. Let's do it. And about 40 feet in, it's an up, 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 up. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of an incline. It's a scramble. Keep going, guys. Keep climbing. It'll be worth it. There's an overlook. There's some caves. There's exciting things. Go for it. And then we get around the lake and, oh, we're not even halfway yet. What are we going to do? No, we're more than halfway. We're almost there. It levels out. It's going to be fine. I'm hollering from behind. It'll be fine, I promise you. Determination. We are determined to do the things we believe in. We are determined to do the things we want to do. You will not have an excuse to do what you really, really, really want to do. Now, I could have just stayed back and laid in my lounger, and I would have been well excused and had every reason in the world to not do that thing. But I wanted to do it. And guys... The enemy will give you every excuse in the world to not follow God. And you're going to have to say no, and you're going to have to ask God for a passion to follow after him. Because there is nothing more worth following Jesus Christ. It is the ultimate goal of life and the most fulfilling thing you could ever do. 
Whatever hobby you have, whatever passion you have, does not compare. But we're talking about an unseen realm here that you have to dig down to get to. It's the treasure that the man, when he found out the field held a great treasure, he sold everything and he went after it. And we've got to have that same kind of passion or we're going to give up because you will have an excuse. I can think of 20 reasons not to come to church today. Did I feel like it? No. Going to be honest. I could have just easily stayed in bed and called Chris. Tell Adon he's speaking today. <laughs> you could have done the same, but you're here. You're online. You're online. Thank you for being online today. This is merely an illustration of going on with God and not giving up. There will be obstacles. So what happened? These letters were written. The letters were written, but God had a plan and a purpose, and they dug into the files, and they found out that this work was authorized, and they were to complete the work. And they were not a rebellious people. They were doing what the king had said they should do. And they did not stop working. They kept right on. A decree was given, and God even supplied more provision than they had already. You can rest assured, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, that a decree has been given, that the temple that exists in your heart will be rebuilt. In Philippians 1.6, Paul says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to Complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. But you've got to be determined that that's going to happen or you'll have every excuse in the world to not follow through. One commentator I read, a man named Kidner said, like every spiritual advance from Abraham to the missionary expansion in Acts, the ventures begin with a word from the Lord. And in common with the rest, it was quickly tested and threatened. Yes, we will be tested. Yes, we will be threatened. It's just part of it. But don't give up. This is a divine partnership. God uses men in league with him and otherwise to accomplish his will. And the end result of these objections was to further the work of God instead of hindering it. Romans 8.28 says, God is working all things together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose and for those who love God, and that's us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31, same chapter, same chapter, same chapter. Guys, God is for us. He's cheering you on. We need to hear his voice louder than the voice of the accuser. Amen? Stand with me.
Okay, now we get to reflect on what we've heard and apply it to our own lives and to our own hearts. So now, Lord, we just come to you very humbly and say, yes, we are rebuilding. Yes, there is opposition. Yes, we can't see our way forward sometimes. But Lord, just as it says in Psalm 23, I will fear no evil for you are with me. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us today. We thank you that you've given us a family, a church family, to surround us and cheer us on. God, give us the determination to follow you no matter what. Lord, I pray for those who are facing obstacles right now. In Jesus' name, God, give them the wisdom and the patience. Lord, to go forward. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here right now. Just open your heart to the Holy Spirit. What area of your life do you need to see rebuilt? Maybe you're frustrated because you've tried time and time and time again. But God is here today to say, I will rebuild if you let me do it my way. Your way hasn't always worked out. But I give you my Holy Spirit. Receive it. Lord, we receive today every good promise that you have. Thank you, God, that you're doing a good thing. And it will be completed as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close in worship today, the prayer team will be available. To pray.